welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 259 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm really excited. This week is a great conversation with Tammy Hackbarth, who hosts the 100% guilt-free self-care podcast. It's such a treat to have her on. Our conversation is so timely because we're talking about how to approach schooling from home when our kids are home, but still attending school virtually. She has some great ideas as a past teacher of how you can create some space and some routines that will help with that. And also how to approach your own self-care now as we are into the sixth month-ish of this pandemic. How do we approach getting time for ourselves, especially if you are an introvert or a highly sensitive person? I know many of us are feeling the stress of being in the same place with the same people for a longer period of time than we're used to. And how do we approach that in a way that leaves room for grace and keeping a family or whoever you live with together as a strong team of people. And I really love that we also explore at the end the question of who do you want to be on the other side of this pandemic? If you're new to Jumpstart Your Joy, I want to give you a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in this week and always. If you want to find out more about myself or the show, you can find everything over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you could also find the show notes where I'll link back to Tammy's site and some of the things that we talk about, um, along with some kids books that we both rattle off and love. And that'll be at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash guilt free. <laughs> While you're there, you'll notice that I have a newsletter where I talk about three joyful things. It comes out every Thursday and I reflect on some of the things that we talk about here, the inspiration, intention, action that you can take to bring more joy into your life or maybe uh, some of the things that guests say and you get a little behind the scenes. You can find that sign up right there on the front page of the website. So I think you're really going to love this show. It's the last interview of season five and I've been holding on to it for a little bit because it is such a great conversation with Tammy. And I love what she shares about self-care during this very strange time. I also love that she talks about her own journey, which has been that of the multi-potential age. She's been in politics. She's been a teacher. She's a life coach now. And I think it's really interesting to hear her path. I know so many of us love seeing how people land into the work that they love to do and what that path looks like. I also really adore that she's sharing really transparently about the self-care practices she has during the pandemic, including her isolation pod, aka her car, where she will very mindfully spend time by herself because that's what she needs as an introvert and a highly sensitive person. I hope that you'll take a lot of inspiration from this. There's a vast amount of information here about how to approach schooling at home if you're a parent or if you're a teacher, a lot of love for you as well. So as kids go back to school, it's more important than ever than we all get used to this idea of how do we do this in the same house all together. So welcome to the show, Tammy Hackbarth. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> this has been a while in the making, friends. And I'm really excited that you're here as well. The first question that I like to ask everybody is tell us about what you loved most as a child or in school. What were your earliest sparks of joy? Reading, 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 and reading. I guess I like to also do playing on the monkey bars slash pretending we were Olympic gymnasts because I grew up in the 70s and yes. like, like, 
Olympic level gymnastics was a thing in the 70s. And so a couple of my friends and I glommed on to we were going to be Olympic gymnasts. And the other thing we did was we we obsessively read Beverly Cleary, all of second and third grade. We would go to the school library and get all those and trade them. We would go to the city library and get all them. And I, that, I feel like that's the only thing I read as a kid. Yeah. But I, I was in it and I still read obsessively like that. And my daughter, who's in third grade, we're now listening to the Ramona series mm -hmm. audiobooks while she, she does Legos. It is as much joy producing now as it was then. Now, is Beverly reading these or is it no. read by someone else? Stockard Channing read Ramona the Pest. So oh. we're trying to do them in order. Yes. So we are on the wait list for the next one, but it's terrific. So sometimes mama reads them, yeah. but sometimes it's like, you know, award-winning actresses. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we're ordering books <laughs> sometimes from places that we like to visit, like bookstores that we, in towns that we like to visit. Cause I'm like, I want them to be around when this is over. And Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing has arrived. So yeah, I was Holla. like, we got to do this. Okay. I'm just going to say I used to be a third and fourth grade teacher and I read to my students 180 days a year and 180 days a year. I thought I cannot believe they're paying me for this time. And then there would be something every day where I was like, aha, this is what they're paying me for. Cause this part of teaching is awful, but reading to kids is pure magic. It is. Yeah. We're also in the middle of Harry Potter and we read and then we watch because I want that for him to understand, like see what your brain brings up and then we'll watch what somebody else thought it might be. Absolutely. And it's so funny because my kid's not at Harry Potter level that she's like, I'm pretty sure I'm scared of that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you would be too. But we have dipped our toe into Kate DiCamillo's books. Mm. So girl, I don't know, Kate. Oh, because of Winn-Dixie, every chapter is like a beautiful short story and you will cry. Tiger Rising, again, beautifully written. The one that kills me though is The Miraculous Journey of Edward Tulane. I read it to my class every year and every year, every kid was crying. I was crying. And one year somebody goes, teacher, why do you pick all the sad books? Mm. And I was like, because they're so good. And she put her little hand on her heart. She's like, they're so good. Oh. And I was like, that, that's how we create readers, right? We yes. bring these like really well-told stories. And then we have that shared reading experience. And so I started um, bringing Kate DiCamillo into my kid's life really early with Mercy Watson, who is a pig. There's a whole series of Mercy Watson books that are hilarious to like the preschooler set there, but they're little chapter books. And then she marathon listened, like, I think it's like six or seven hours, which was Flora and Ulysses, which is another Kate DiCamillo book. Can't, I can't recommend her enough. I will go find them, all yeah. of them. Yes. Mm, yeah. And I can totally, I can totally relate to the seventies. Also my childhood of, yeah, lots of Beverly Cleary and lots of just playing outside and yeah, I miss it. It's also really lovely to think of back to like now. And uh, yeah, I love hearing your background and I'm excited to hear like how that pulls through with what you do now and who you work with. Okay. So 
right now, my current job is I'm the host of the 100% Guilt-Free Self-Care Podcast. I host a Facebook group of the same name, and I am a life coach. I did my certification. It's life and work coach through UC Davis. And who I work with are, so I have like three tracks of people. I ha- they're all women. They all want their time and energy back because they want to go after these big life dreams. But I have people who I think of as civilians. My civilians are people who have regular jobs, who like earn a paycheck from somebody else. Then I have teachers. Oh my God. Because once you're a teacher, you're surrounded by the people who are like, wait a second, how do I, how am I going to be happy doing this job? How am I going to be super fulfilled doing this job? And I'm like, let me help you get there. And then I work with entrepreneurs who are so busy being awesome that they're like, okay, how do I take all these awesome ideas I have in my head and bring them into the world? I'm like, well, let us hook hands and create some time and space for you to really create these big, like, income streams for your businesses. So that's what I do. So awesome. And I love that you've identified each of those groups and understand so clearly what it is that you offer them. Because I I know at least I am a multi-passionate person and Emily Wapnick, hat tip to her and Barbara Cher, I guess, like lots of people talk about multi-passionates and it's nice to see how people can kind of identify what the things are that you could do within all the interests. So the, you know how I came to be a coach is I, this isn't my first career. Right. I, right. I started in politics. Did you really? I did. I worked for a a little over a decade. I did a little bit of everything from grassroots organizing to fundraising, to fundraising compliance, to lobbying. I did it all. And I had a stomach ache for a decade and realized this is such a bad personality fit. <laughs> so I have this weird depth of knowledge that comes in handy, but I, you know, those are a lot of my civilians, like people who work in trade associations who are like, how do I do this work and be happy? Yeah. I also have a lot of people who are like, how do I get out of this world? I don't want to do this anymore. How did yeah. you do that? Right. And then I left politics and became a teacher. And then I, in that did my yoga teacher training, became a mom. And now I'm a life coach because when I was teaching yoga, I mostly did it privately and nobody ever said, Hey, can you tell me where exactly I should put my foot on the mat? Not one time, Paula. They asked me, they said, how do I feel good when I wake up in the morning? How do I, I feel good in my body? How do I feel good in my brain? Like all day long, how do I have energy to do what I want to do after work? Yeah. Right. And I dug in. I was like, that is a great question. I don't know how you do it. Let's figure it out. Right. So I spent less time talking about the, the asana part of yoga and more time talking about the stuff that happens off the mat. And interesting, we were talking a little bit like my background just being that I used to run retreats on the weekend and then I would go into an advertising agency and try and tell you why you need a credit card or car polishing product, not to name brands or maybe some bleach. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm actually doing the programming that I'm trying to undo on the weekend with people. And that's when my whole journey really took off of like, okay, I'm going to work with a coach. I'm going to figure this out. There's, this isn't, there's the match here isn't a good match for me. So it's interesting where the pain points often lead you to figure it out. Well, what's interesting is a lot of people like, how do you go from politics to teaching? And it's because I went into politics because I wanted to change the world to be a better place for women and kids. 
Yeah. And what I did was a lot of faxing. Mm. I'm not kidding. I always yeah. stand at a fax machine and like fax letters to people. And I was like, okay, A, if that doesn't tell you it was a long time ago, I don't know what does. And, and the whole goal of, so the last job I had in politics was as a lobbyist. And the idea is that both sides meet and that you compromise in the middle. That's what gives me a stomachache. I'm like, I don't actually want to compromise on the health and safety of say beauty products, or I don't want to compromise on breast cancer research. I don't want to compromise on pain at the end of life because the other side of that is people are in pain and it sucks. And now I have a stomachache and I don't want to compromise. So when you have your whole existence of being like, I want the world to be at a better place. And coincidentally, during that time, my husband became a teacher. And I was like, what kind of nice existence are you leading over there, mister? Yeah. Like, and and I realized, I was like, oh, maybe I want to do this. And bless his heart. He said, I don't want to talk to you about changing your career unless you sub for a year. I was like, that sounds terrible. Right. I think I'll do it. (laughs) Because his point was, you can't be a good teacher unless you get your ass handed to you by a bunch of strangers day after day after day. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's awful. And I did it. And he was absolutely right. So I went from like this global, like, I want to make the world a better place to why don't I work with people at the, like the bottom level? (laughs) Like, let's talk to kids about how they can grow up to be the kind of people I was hoping to see in the world. Right. So that was pretty terrific. That is a great path. And I fully agree with your husband. I mean, I was a camp counselor for many years and that was the thing that I was like, maybe early college, I thought mm, being a teacher would be fun. And then I was like, no, I, I have so much compassion for that role. I am an ENFJ or an INFJ. So I am, I am the personality type that is a teacher. And I, <laughs> my husband is an ENFJ. We're all teachers all over the place. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, but I think there's something out like the teaching comes through in a different way for me. So Yeah. I think that's such solid advice to try it out and see if the day in and day out of something is something that is going to be a fit. I know you were also telling that part of your journey to really exploring the life coach, part of it had to do with the things that you found within teaching. Would you like to share a little bit about how you found self-care or how you were drawn to self-care in those moments? Yes. So I, I had a pattern at work and it goes like this work all of the days, get all of the sick, take a few days off, don't get all the way better, work all of the days, right? Because I I had this belief that my worth as a human was uh, directly tied to my productivity and my level of uptightness at work. Like I was just, I was going to, I was going to kill whatever job I had. And I am an Enneagram one. And when Enneagram ones get stressed, don't take this personally, other Enneagram ones, we turn into giant jerks, right? It's, it's pretty, it's pretty spectacular. So I tell this story on my website and it goes like this. I went into my principal's office to complain about something. Somebody wasn't doing something right. That's how I know when I'm under stress is when everybody else is doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. Because I'm always doing that to myself 24 hours a day. Now, if I'm turning it on you, things have, have gone awry. I go in to complain in my office and he, I'm standing in front of his desk and he walks around behind me and closes the door. And I was like, what's he doing? And he he comes back around his desk and he goes, are you happy? Paula, I burst into tears. 
like that ugly crying. Yeah. And what I said was, what does that have to do with anything I'm talking about? And he goes, I just need to know, are you happy? And I was like, of course I'm not happy. Everybody kind of sucks. And he goes, do you think, do you want to get a different job? And then I really started crying because I was like, I, I'm good at this job. You said I was really good at this job. He's like, it's not the point that you're good at the job. It's the point that you're clearly not happy doing the job and you're kind of bringing everybody down with you. You kind of suck the joy out of the room, which is really hard with a group of people. Like third graders, all they want to do is like be the teacher's best friend. He's like, so what's going on? So I got mad. I was like, how dare you? Okay, I didn't say that because I was too busy crying. Like he had to go teach my class because I was like fell apart. But when I got my shit back together, I decided, you know what? This is super mature, but I'll I'll be honest. If you don't see how hard I work, I won't I just won't do it anymore. Forget mm-hmm. you. So then I had a lot of free time on my hands and I filled in with things like going to yoga. I was like, I have time to go to yoga class and I don't have to like rush to get there and cooking meals and going to the movies with my friends and having fun and blah, blah, blah. And I found much to my surprise when I quote cared less, my students were better behaved because you know what kids do? They hold a mirror up to your jackass behavior. Yes. That's why being a teacher is so hard because they're like, Hey, you're kind of a jerk. But there's like so many mirrors in your face. Yeah. They're like, oh, are you insecure about this? Hi, let me get really close to your face with the mirror. And so, and I had at one point a really, really difficult class. I don't think it was that year, different year, but I had a really difficult class. And I was like, maybe if I'm harder on them, they'll get better. The answer was no. Maybe if I'm this, they'll do that. But once I got super kind and super duper like grounded in myself and really taking care of myself and really asking them like what's going on they turned around because all they do is mirror yeah right they give you what you get or you get what you get whatever you know i'm trying to say there but it was so interesting because even i asked that class i because i used to do preferred activity time and i would add time when they did great so they could have free time and but up until that class i would also subtract time when they were messing around But with that class, I was like, you know what? I can't. Because once I started subtracting, it was like, you guys are going to have to pay me for the next 40 years of your time because it's all like the wheels have fallen off the bus. Right. So I just erased it and I started over and I said, you know what, you guys, when I look for the negative, I get the negative and I get a stomach ache and I'm mad at you. And then you're mad at me and we are going nowhere. I said, so I'm only going to look for the positive. Yeah. And they said, okay. It was so hard, Paula. But once I started doing that, once I started only saying, oh, that was a great transition. That was a fantastic transition. That was a... Then they started helping each other through the transitions. So we had a class meeting after a couple of weeks of this because I didn't trust them because I was like, what is happening? Why can you do it now? And I, I said that. I was like, what, what changed? And this little boy named Alejandro said, well, we know you were trying so hard to be kind. We didn't want you to fail. I was like, really, that's it? So he's like, also, when you're nicer, we're nicer. I was like, okay, Alejandro, thank you. Like, I was like, that's it. Wisdom of the ages right there. And that's a boy. Right? Yeah. And I was like, so between being called out for not being happy in my job. Yeah. 
by the way, that is awful. Please don't let that happen to you. It is, I, I felt super humiliated, but I was like, oh, I guess that was a giant gift. Thanks. But then I, I didn't fill it in with self-doubt. I wasn't like, oh, I'm terrible. I was like, I am awesome. Because let's be real, I am a good teacher. But I, so I didn't let that cloud, but I was like, but now what am I going to do with myself? And once I started taking care of myself and then my students started doing better, I thought this is a fluke. So I went the whole school year. Paula, you know, they do those high stakes testings at the end of the yeah. year. Well, I worked at a, a Title I school. And so there's a lot of focus on those scores. My kids did better than they ever had. And I was like, well, that was a fluke. Let's try it again. Because I'm kind of a scientist inside my head. Yeah. So the next year, I just started off the next year with what I like to call really good boundaries. I was like, what time, according to the school contract, do I have to be here? I will be there five minutes before that. What time can I leave? I will leave then. And some people are like, see, you don't work that much. It's not that I stopped working. I stopped being in a room where lots of kid germs were. I went home. I did some work there, but I also went to yoga and right. I also cooked myself dinner. And I also made sure I got a good night of sleep and made sure I laughed with my friends. And so I did that for an entire school year. And then that class did even better. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to maybe think this isn't a fluke. I'm starting to think that these things are related. Yeah. But when you have a happy, healthy, sane teacher, then maybe kids can, can feed off that and be nourished by that because I know I was. Yeah. That's all so very powerful. I mean, because I was, we were sharing ahead of time that our experience with our own teacher this year has not been that great. And I think, so thank you for the gift of sharing your story because I can also see there's a very real possibility that either someone in that grade that's decided not to teach anymore, our whole third grade class group of teachers decided they were not going to continue really. But there's something else there, clearly. Like there's some high dissatisfaction, some something that, I don't understand that's probably behind the scenes there too. So thank you. I, that's probably not even why you're sharing it all, but like well, it, it's meaningful to me from a different perspective too. No, seriously. And, well, and that's the other thing I was telling you earlier too, is that our experience in, for our site, and I don't know how all the other teachers are doing on our campus because I only have one kid, but our third grade team is killing it. Right. But they were killing it before the pandemic, but yeah. they're highly organized they have all these. So the day before the first day of school, my kid's primary teacher, so she has several teachers, but her primary teacher emailed me and he introduced himself. He said, is there anything you want me to know? It's like, well, yes, I do. And I said, have you read her 504? Have you read this? Have you done it? He's like, I've read it. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that she has a successful year. I was like, you know what? Mic drop. I'm never going to have to talk to you again. Right. Because you know and, where they're where they're sitting and where they're operating, well, where they're operating you know from. He, you know what he does? When I went on the last field trip we went on was like a month before we went to shelter in place. I was a chaperone on the field trip and he asked her to do something and she went off and did it. And he turned to me with so much love in his eyes and he's like, She's really good at that. I was like, you know what? That's it. Where's yeah. your crown? King for the day. Because you clearly love my kid. Yeah. Is it, and isn't that what we, like as parents, that's what each of us just wants to know is that you as a teacher, to the best of your ability, loves this child. I mean, I know that that's one of the things that made a difference anytime we've had a teacher. Like, you love him? Awesome. I know you want what's best for him and, and I love you back. <laughs> also, thank you for teaching them things I don't know how to do. Exactly. Yeah, I, that's also very clear. I'm, 
not that proficient at fractions <laughs> anymore. I do love multiplying fractions. I can get that done, but yeah. So yes, lots of big love. And also uh, I can see te teachers from where I'm at that are like just, oh, wow, you really, you've embraced change and you're running with it and you never had to and we love you. Yeah, it's, it's a weird time. I think that's also a really lovely segue into how in this time, so in case you're listening sometime in the future and you don't know what in the world we're talking about. This time. Pa pandemic <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. How is it that we, we shared that we're both INFJs, so there's the introvert thing that comes into play. I think I've discovered even more than ever now that like I'm totally highly sensitive person. Like I've, I have, I remember somebody once telling me like that she was so highly sensitive that if somebody clicks a pen when she like wants to scream and run out and I was like, Oh wow. And now I know I've been there. I'm like, I just want to get away from my family. I love them and I want to get away from them. So how do we, if we're in that place, what kind of tools can you think of or have you tried that help people through self-care in this bizarre time. Okay. I will say that my family, we, we practice self-care all the time, all three of us, because I have this theory that, so we are three people. So we're like a stool. And if one of the stool legs is wobbly or broken, the whole thing doesn't work. So everybody's stool leg has to be ship shape and like up to the task of holding the whole family together. So if, if you are somebody who's like, but I could never put myself first, I want you to think of now you're the weak leg on your chair or your table or whatever piece of furniture. So knock it off, lady. I know it's probably not your dude. The dudes are, I'm not talking to you. You're probably mostly fine. Moms, if, if who I'm talking to moms, you have to hold up your end of the bargain. So how do moms practice self-care? One of the, the two things that we're doing that have been wildly successful during this time are the block schedule. And you're like, what is the block schedule? The first month we were in shelter in place, both my husband and I, credential teachers, were hovering over our student and like, what can we do? How can we help her? Okay, that's not helpful to anyone because that, that saying too many cooks in the kitchen, yeah, there were too many cooks in the kitchen. And so when there's too many cooks, people are getting hit with their elbows and burnt with the pans and the this and the that. So we, after about four weeks, I thought, well, I'm either going to commit homicide or something has to change. And it came in the form of me yelling at my husband in the backyard in front of the neighbors. It was a really high point in our relationship. And the, but the next day I said very loudly at a family meeting, we're going to change something. And this is what I propose. And that is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning from when I get up until lunchtime is mine. I can do whatever I want during that time. I can work. I can work out. I can sit in the car, do nothing, whatever. And then on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, from whenever he gets up until lunchtime, he can do his stuff. Now he's a teacher. So what he does during that time is he researches all of the things that he needs to do for his class. He does his lesson plans. He checks in with families. Like that's, those are his hard hitting days. Okay. He does all of his teaching stuff during the week too, but that's when he plans the next week. And then on Sunday, we kind of tag team and ignore each other. And let's be honest, there's a lot of screen time. In the afternoons, after lunch, we kind of wing it, meaning that we have, we're giving ourselves a lot of grace in terms of like how much distance learning we're doing, which is a few hours and then we're done. 
everybody gets grace during this time. Why? Because it's super stressful. This isn't homeschooling. This is schooling at home, mostly with uncredentialed teachers, meeting parents during a health crisis. Right. So lots of grace. So we do the block schedule and that has changed everything. The first day of the block schedule at like hour four, I texted him. I'm like, I feel fantastic. This is the best thing we've ever done. And he's like, he texted me back. I'm in the car, by the way, parked in front of the house, AKA the isolation pod, which I will talk about in a second. He texted me back. He goes, I've received zero benefits from the schedule yet. I'll let you know how I feel about it on Friday after I've had some time. I was like, great, but I just know I feel better. And I'll just tell you by Wednesday of that week, he was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. He's like, by the way, I love that you're not in the kitchen trying to micromanage us while I'm teaching my child and trying to do this. Great. So get all the cooks out of the kitchen, one cook to whatever kids, which we had to think flexibly about time because a lot of people are like, but I have to work this time to this time, to which I say, do you really? Right. Could you, could you work 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then work 4 p.m.? to 8 p.m. That's still eight hours. It's a sucky eight hours maybe, but it's still eight hours. So that was one of the ways that we did that. And then the other thing is literally taking isolation breaks because for me, solitude is like air. Yeah. If I don't get it, I literally feel like I'm losing my mind. And I, the first few weeks, I just, I wasn't giving myself the permission to do that. I just felt like I had to be vigilant and be available. And I realized I really wasn't doing that. I was around, but I was snapping at people. Mm-hmm. I was around and I was hypercritical of what every single thing they were doing. So it's actually not that helpful. So I started scheduling time to sit in what we're calling the isolation pod. It's a very strict setup of sit in the back seat. And weirdly, the car that we bought has really darkly tinted windows. So I kind of feel like the president, not the current <laughs> one, but any other president. And I sit in the back seat <laughs> with my book and my headphones and my drink and a snack and all the things. And I watch TV out there or I talk on the phone or I take a nap or I just listen to ocean sounds. But the first time I did it for two hours and when I came out of the car, I was like, I, I have become a new person. And my husband was like, you, like, you actually look different. So ask for what you need. Actually give yourself the permission to receive right? Because I could have taken the time. I did do this one day. I didn't actually leave the house, meaning go in the backyard or in the car. And what happened was my daughter had a freak out because she couldn't log on to something. And I went to intervene and he's like, it's not your time. That was humbling. And I was like, but, but, but I could fix it better. It's not your time. So I would say practicing self-care during this time is giving yourself a lot of grace, lowering the standard of everything, especially school. Yeah. Yeah. And like, speak kindly. It's like the whole like self-compassion, which is speaking kindly to yourself, realizing we're all in this together. We've never been more in something together ever. I mean, in our lifetime. And then mindfulness, which is paying attention to when you're being a jerk to yourself or the other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's all so very helpful. And I like I like the specifics around said isolation pod because I, I think I often make it like, well, I need to get away, but I can't get away in the way I want to get away. So like, I'm not going to try. And so I think there's that kind of defeatist thinking that happens probably for many people where 
we can't get what we think we want. And so we're going to, I mean, I see it for myself. It's almost like throwing a tantrum. Like, no, and it's so funny. Yes, I get that. And I will tell you, I have a couple more tips on the, the isolation pod backseat, cover the windows and unroll them a little bit. I live in Sacramento. It's like the surface of the sun around here. Sometimes it is so hot. Yeah. So park in the shade, open the windows, all of them just a bit. So you get a cross breeze. And then I tuck, cause I'm fancy. I tuck little towels in the window to shade because also I don't want to see who's walking by. The whole purpose of this experiment is for me to be alone yeah. and cover my ears and then to make myself as comfortable as possible. So I like brought pillows and blankets and this and that. Like, so it's like I'm building a fort in the car. I have not driven awesome. a car in three months, but let me tell you, I go in there several times a week. It's like, make it your little oasis. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that's really helpful, especially I bet a lot of people are realizing that they're like way more sensitive to being around everyone all the time when that's now become what our current reality is. You know what's interesting though is I don't know if people would necessarily put those together because that takes a level of self-awareness. I think people might instead think, God, my kids are annoying. God, my Mm -hmm. husband talks loud on Zoom. God, I need another cup. I was going to say cup of wine. But you know what's funny is I haven't had, I don't drink anymore. It's yeah, been six years. Yeah. But but I'm like, ooh, I get why people would want to have a little like, let's smooth out the edges. But this is an, an alternative uh, possibility practice for smoothing out the edges. Yeah. I've also been rolling, we have a front porch, like we have a, we live in a craftsman. So we have a, a higher porch. There are stairs on the outside. And I've been rolling my yoga mat out on there. Mm -hmm. and just laying on the porch. How nice. Yeah. It's yeah. Or late or on the grass. I feel really lucky that I'm on the West coast where people, you know, I have space, I have outdoor space where I can actually use it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I'm also very glad like right here to my right is a window and I can look at an artichoke plant that's taking over the yard and like there's input and I'm yeah. Also very grateful that there's space and I'm not in a townhouse or a condo apartment. Like, yeah. So maybe if that's someone and where they're at is find a way then to get a if space is what you need. Yeah. yeah. Mm, thank you. Thank you You're so welcome. much for all these great ideas. I'm really, I'm appreciative of both like the ability to articulate how people can get in touch with what it is that they actually need in their heart and that it might be coming across as an irritated feeling that you, like you just said that maybe you're feeling like I'm just annoyed, but like maybe look below that and see what else is going on. But then also some really easy specifics. Like, yeah, go hide in your car if you need, like not that it's hiding, but like give yourself permission. Hide in the the bathroom. That's a good one too. This is a pro tip because I I used to teach yoga, Mm -hmm. go in the bathroom, lock the door, put the toilet lid down, lay down the fluffiest towel you have. You're like, why don't I just put a towel on the floor? Because you, my friend, are also going to lay on the floor in the bathroom. And then you're going to kick your legs up either on the toilet seat or on the bathtub and then close your eyes and then stay there as long as somebody doesn't pound the door to get like, where's mom? Like I've done this on holidays where I'm like, oh, I've actually had too much input from family. And you'll be surprised how long you can be in the bathroom without anybody freaking out. I mean, unless you have toddlers, in which case do it for two minutes because two minutes is better than no minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, so you can't go to a spa. How can you create a spa experience where you are? 
Mm-hmm. So you can't run a marathon. What are some ways that you can move your body? Even if you don't have outdoor space, Yeah, like be creative. I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If somebody wants to find you, you know, to connect or work with you or whatever, where, where can they find you? I am at TammyHackbarth.com where you can find all the, all the things. And I hang out a lot on Instagram, probably an embarrassing amount on Instagram. You can find me at Tammy Hackbarth there. And I have a a Facebook group. It's called 100% Guilt-Free Self-Care with Tammy Hackbarth. And during the pandemic, I've been going live Monday through Friday and offering mini coaching and support tips and self-care tips and self-care practices. Most people, this self-care isn't on their forefront. It's my job. So I'm lucky that way. No, I, I, I actually do feel lucky because when this hit, I was like, oh, I already just do all the things I already do. And what I find fascinating is that most people don't do these tiny practices. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys, we could feel so much better yeah. in like 10 minutes a day. So right. I offer a lot of those, let's do this together. And people are like, oh my God, I feel so much better. I'm like, you're welcome. And when we go back to what we're, you know, what is going to be regular life, it, A, it could be a while and B, maybe never. Like, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be at the end of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we talked about earlier is who do we want to be at the end of this? And then how are we going to get there? Yeah. I want to be somebody who's generous and I want to be somebody who's of service and I want to be somebody who's sane and I want all the members of my family to still be alive. What are the, both from Corona and from me, what do I need to do as a human to make those things happen? I, and I think that's a really great way to frame up what kind of changes maybe somebody's looking at making or, or practices they're looking to, you know, embrace is like, yeah, this is a choice. I mean, and, and there's actions that I can take that would further me towards that person I can see myself being when at least shelter in place is, is over, we hope. And, and when things are back to something that seems more like regular life. Do you know what's funny? is a couple of years ago, I went to the dermatologist because I had a thing on my arm that I was like, I don't know what that is, but I don't think it belongs there. So I think I need to go to the dermo. And then the dermo said, should we remove that and biopsy it? And I was like, yes, because you said the word biopsy, we should totally do that. So I go to the person who's got the scalpel. And while she's digging into my arm with said scalpel, she says, so what do you do for a living? which by the way, in case we ever meet, don't ask me that. It's a dumb question. Come up with something good. Like what did you do this weekend? Or what book have you read? Or what's bringing you joy? Like we don't need to be identified as what we do. However, that was a question. And I said, oh, I'm a life coach. And she said, mid stab. Oh, so you have your shit together and you just tell people what to do all day. Thank you, Paula. What? (laughs) I know. And so then I start and all the nurses are like, Because there's like a bunch of people in the room. And I was like, oh my God, that couldn't be further from the truth. I was like, whether or not I have my shit together or not depends a lot on the practices that I am doing during the day. And it is a daily thing. And the second thing I was like, coaches don't boss people around. Because I'm going to tell you what, if that, if bossing people around worked, I would totally do that. I would be the best coach if it had been that yeah no I couldn't even get third graders (laughs) to do shit when I was bossing them so I'm not sure why you think I'm bossing grown-ups around I was like no so that's the thing like I'm not better than anyone I have got so many tools that I use every day 
that's why I feel better because I yeah. do tons of stuff. And yeah. this, but this is the good news is you could feel better too. Yeah. I love right? that. What a funny, yeah. What a funny question. It's always a weird question because especially when you're like, I'm a podcasting consultant and people are like, what? <laughs> you make money doing that? Weird question. You're like, it's the darndest thing, doctor. People who didn't go to a professional university for higher education make money doing the thing. Well, people always go, God, your, your job is amazing. That's so great. I'm like, you guys, I made up my job. That's why it's fantastic. And it totally fits me. Yeah. I made it up. And when it doesn't work for me, I change it because my boss is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Our staff meetings go great. Yeah. I love Monday morning status. It's so it's cool. So cool. I know. Like I do have an assistant that I work with. Yeah. Her name is Katie Truman and she is an angel straight from heaven, also an INFJ. And we do, we mostly, I'm like, hey, can you blah, blah, blah. And I text her and or email her and then magic happens. That's so good. Yeah. That's, it's important to find the right people and person and all that. Oh no, now the dog is barking. <laughs> anyway, so before. Yo, I, what's, what's so funny about that is like, is all of the, like the newscasters and stuff are like, like the cats walking around their head and they're like, I don't know what to tell you. And the guy that showed up with no pants on like the professional thing, I was like, that's a rookie move. Like, are you yeah. serious? Like that's a, that's a myth that people that work at home don't wear pants. Put your pants on. Hey. I wear soft pants. Me too. Slash leggings slash a dress because who wouldn't wear a dress? It's so comfortable. Yeah. Great. Anyway. But yeah, that was classic. Well, Tammy, the last question that I ask everybody, if you're, if you're ready for it is. I'm ready. What are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I'm going to roll my eyes preemptively on this. The first one. Are you ready? That's good. Go for it. Okay. Because this one always, people always go to practice. You ready for this? You know what it is. Gratitude. Uh, you guys, I also want it to be stupid and for it not to work. I took on a challenge. When I was a teacher, I thought, Oprah's crazy. She's not what she's talking about. I'm going to prove Oprah wrong. I'm going to start a gratitude practice and it's not going to work for me. Turns out Oprah was right and Harvard and UC Berkeley and every other institution of higher learning that has studied the effects of gratitude on the human brain. It works. So that's one reading with my kid because it's magical. And I'm going to say laughing humor finding i have a i have a, a friend i've had a falling out with we may or may not get to back together someday i don't know if we will but she is like my personal uh, sayings person and i was having a really hard time with some family stuff at one point and she just texted me and she said this is what i want you to do when you're with them i want you to remember this it's either fun she's like in parentheses and clearly it's not it's fun it's clearly not fun or it's funny so either make the thing that you're doing fun or find the absurdity in what isn't funny about it. I was yeah. like, God, that really works. That's amazing. I love that very right? much. Yeah. I'm going to keep that one because there are plenty of things where you're like, yeah, it's not fun, but maybe it could be hilarious in your own mind. Mm -hmm. It's a good reframe. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you like, very like much. Kids, like kids being on Zoom calls. Oh, that's kind, it's ridiculous. And it's funny bad at it but yet really good at it <laughs> like yeah. all the stuffed animals in the zooms I don't know, yeah. it's kind of funny 
It's very sweet. Well, thank you so much for being on, Tammy. It's been a complete treat to have you on and get to meet you. I'm super glad I was able to come on and I'm looking forward to having you on my show to hear your self-care story. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. You'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.